<laughs> hey everybody, it's the CCJT Amateur Hour with production values go to die. And boy, production values have been kicking us in the butt today. <laughs> yeah, anyway, anyway over there's CC. And over there's JT. And uh, welcome to the annual uh, Ugly Sweater Christmas Contest. I wear, I continue to be the perpetual and, you know, always winner. I Undefeated. undefeated. That is not an ugly sweater. I like that sweater. That's, Cubs. Yeah. Go Cubs. Go Cubs. Go Cubs, but, go. But, you know, it's like uh, when they licensed for an ugly sweater. I you don't know. know. I like it. Yeah. Uh, I think it's cool. Well, uh, nothing on you is ugly, so I Aww. win. Yay. Aww. <laughs> okay. Uh, we don't really have a lot to talk about today because we really didn't do anything that we planned. We didn't do anything that we <laughs> planned. Uh, because I'm, I'm having troubles getting into the Christmas spirit, so... That's on me, so. In this house, you're not in the Christmas spirit? Yeah, you guys should really take a look around. Maybe we'll do a <laughs> you know, video so you guys can see what Cece has done. She's, she always does a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful job to just drop the house into a Christmas explosion. <laughs> we have a few Christmas trees, a few nutcrackers, some, a lot of red. I go very red around this time of year. What? Few. 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 Well, it depends. Are you counting all those little bottle brush trees? We're not going to go there. Three, six. Just... So there are seven, eight trees right there. Hundreds. <laughs> I like Christmas trees. What can I say? Okay. So um, so we have, we have the Christmas house. Uh, we have the Christmas sweaters. Uh, but I don't but think we're... But we're missing the Christmas spirit? Yeah, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Uh, but it's it's kind of slow today. Uh, but this is, of course, first and foremost, a writing thing, a writing uh, broadcast, podcast, podcast, broadcast. So um, we don't really have too much in the way of business or projects other than what we're going to talk New. about. New um, uh, we're going to talk about. Um, we have uh, begun the expansion onto the fifth platform for our book catalog. Uh, up to now, we've had Amazon, um, Kobo, and Barnes & Noble, Noble, and who? what am I missing? Google, Google. Play. Google Play. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to start the expansion into Apple. So for those folks that um, prefer, have their own, you know, preferred reading platform, we're doing our best to get our catalog out there. And the other thing that you've really been working on is the audiobooks on Google mm -hmm. Play, yeah. I believe. So... We're doing the automated narration for the moment. We're a little iffy on how we feel about it, but yeah. we're doing it for accessibility issues. As soon as we start earning back some of the money we've spent on publishing these books, then maybe we'll be able to hire actual voice actors yeah. to do narration for us. That will be, uh, we do plan to do that in the future. So if you want to buy our books and help us hire some voice actors, that would be awesome. Yes, please do that. <laughs> please do that. Uh, and... Um, I guess the, the big thing we're going to just talk about, and uh, I don't really see this as being an extremely big podcast, you know, thing. Maybe. Who knows? We, we like to talk. We like to talk. So, and drink you know, our we coffee. We like to drink coffee and we <laughs> like to talk. Cheers. Mm. Coffee tack. Um, what I wanted to talk about um, is uh, talk about the space epic, the space epic, which I've been talking about now for 
by God now, literally years. Mm -hmm. uh, and it came about, you know, from a big spurt of energy, writing energy, and it's grown over to 144,000 words. And uh, what I've done is um, I've made the editorial decision is to break it into three books. And so I've got two books, you know, something like 60, 70,000 words kind of, you know, floating in there. And then I've got the third book, which is like at 2,000 words. I really got to get to work on that. Um, but uh, I've learned some things about doing epics. I've learned doing things about doing sequels. And uh, these are things that I wish I could tell my younger writer self, you know, when it came to doing sequels. Because I've done three sets of sequels. I've done the Emma Parks books. I've yes. done the... Um, Tucci books, and I've done the Sheriff of Nevada books, and yes. you know, and you can hold them up if you want. That is true. I could. Yeah. So. So we've the, got the the Emma Parks. This is a three book series, and it's also compiled into a single volume. Right. Which should be releasing in January. Or yeah. Should be. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yep. And, and then the Tucci Chronicles is actually a duology. It's two book series. Right. Also a compilation of the two books in one so you can read them separately or you can just buy them all together yep and uh just as a quick divergence here you know looking at those books and seeing the amount of pages and the amount of words i wonder if writers ever really get the idea of how many you know words they actually write these are some yeah because these things are some doorstops uh and it's like uh, this one is 400 almost 490 pages this one i believe was around 500 yeah, something like that. Oh, it's about 450, 451. Yeah. But it's so. the amount of words that, you know, and it's, 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 well, and, you know, it's not only, what? And just so, you know, for clarity, you are a sparse writer. You don't go into a lot of verbose descriptions or anything like that. So those words are driving the story. They're driving the characters. They're not a lot of fluff. Right. So... JT is one of those writers, and I've actually tried to start emulating JT because I tend to be a little on the other direction. But these are a lot of words, but there are a lot of words that matter. And it's like, you know, it's like there's Herman Melville and Moby Dick, which he had to describe everything. And then there's me. So you got the two ends of the scales here. So you would be like um, the old man in the sea. Hemingway. Yeah, Hemingway, yeah. Yes, so, very thin book. You know, so, um, and... So my books usually clock in around 70, 70, you know, around 70,000 words. Right. Um, which is considered, you know, fairly on the small side for novels. But uh, you know what? It adds up after a while. Mm -hmm. And you should see, like, my ideas folder. Like, I got dozens of ideas where I just start. And again, lots more words. Um, but I got away from the epic thing. So, so uh, writing sequels, I hate. I hate writing sequels. Uh, because the first book is always the fun book. The first book is always fun book because it's sort of free form and I'm making things up as I go along and I throw everything in the pot. And then I, you know, after if the pot is all boiling and everything, that's why I start taking things out. Sometimes I don't take anything out. And it just sort of, <laughs> it just sort of, it's just sort of there. And it's, you know, and it's, it can be a big collaboration of mess. And God is my witness. I sometimes don't even know how the books come out together. <laughs> you actually get from point A to point B really well for mm. a... Pantser, maybe a plantser at this point. Mm. Um, you do have a good idea. I think you always kind of know where the story is going to end up, generally. Generally. Right. I'm not <laughs> saying you know how you're going to get there. You can see it off in the distance. You just don't know which twists and turns yeah. you're going to take. Lots of twists and turns. And the, the rule is, is if I'm writing a book, I'm, I'm writing a book I want to read. I do not want to write a book, which, you know, is just sort of like, 
Snores of Elf. <laughs> um, but again, I'm sort of getting off the track here. So Space um, Epic. So sequels. Yep. So um, Emma Parks, the first book was Hope Knocks Twice. Um, the Sheriff of Nevada, the first the first book was named, Aha, A Sheriff of Nevada. <laughs> and the Tootsie Chronicles was Love and Death and Ivy West. None of those books I had any plans to write a sequel. Right. Um, I planned, especially uh, the Emma Parks book, which is uh, Hope Knocks Twice, because somebody somebody was saying, you know, I'd like a book. And it's like, okay, I'll write her book. So I wrote her a book. I which her... I absolutely adore. It so is... I wrote her a book. So little did I know at the time. And it's not just me, but other people started saying, hey, I really like this story. Where is it going? And you did leave some things... Unresolved. That Yes. So part of that was your fault. But, mm. well, a lot of it was your fault because we enjoyed the book. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, so, okay, so I'll write, I'm, I'll write the Emma book. And then it's like it ended with a big cliffhanger. And it's like, oh, I got to write another book. Mm-hmm. And um, it took a few years, but um, it got there. Oops. That was weird. It turned off. Okay. Well, okay, I guess we'll be using yours then. All right. Okay. Anyway, the reason is is, is Mike's camera stopped cameraing, and so we're going to be using that camera up there. Okay, so I'm going to stop looking at that one. It's not. <laughs> Just production values go production, to die. We do values. use both of our cell phones when we're recording just in case something like this happens. And something like this does happen. And uh, wisely, um, you know, and if you're listening to the podcast, we're sorry for the interruption. Okay, so. Yes. Um, so. Uh, I eventually got around to the third third Emma book. Eventually got around to the third Emma book, and you know, so and I finished off the series and tied it with a nice little bow. And I don't ever plan to go back to it again until someone starts to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Tootsie books, um, I did not plan to do write a second book at all on that one. That one just. But I think that one was actually you. You felt like Tucci had more of a story mm-hmm. left to tell. Right. Because it was a major redemption arc. Yeah. And there was a lot going on with the character. That one is very character driven. So yeah. I think that was more on you than anybody else. And then um, and then the uh, Sheriff of Nevada books are just an open-ended book, an open-ended series. That one is, I pretty much always plan to do a, a series on that one. I don't think there will be a compilation on that one because I think I pretty much plan to continue to write that one. I have the third book. I'm sort of stumbling through the third book as I'm writing that one. I've got like some 20-something thousand words on that one already, 25, 26,000 words on that one. And um, it's uh, and I've got books four and five in my brain, so I think I'm just going to keep writing that one, just just to keep writing, just to have an ongoing series. And those are actually, I think, your most popular books yeah. right now. Right. They do they take place in a fictional Nevada county, but they are very representative of Nevada and some of the people of Nevada. So if you haven't checked them out, you should do that because yep. they're good books. If you, if, especially if you like uh, Nevada, um, so. Okay, so back to the space epic. So why are we talking about these these uh, previous um, you know books that uh, were in a series? It's because they're kind of disjointed, to be quite honest. You know, because I never planned it. You know, sort of. Uh, I guess the uh, corollary for people of a certain age would be you know the George Lucas, you know, who never planned to mo- make more than one movie. He never well, planned to make more than one movie, and but he didn't. He underestimated. The popularity. The popularity of Star Wars A New Hope, which was the first book, one that came out in the 70s. And then, you know, it's like it became such a humongous thing. That, that it's still going. 
and it's still growing. That he, I, I get the sense sometimes from looking at the uh, later movies that he was sort of scrambling to find out, you know, fill in the gaps. You know, well, and, uh, yeah. Empire Strikes Back, but you know, was was pretty good. But um, you know, actually, but, that's my favorite of the movies. Yeah. A, a New Hope was definitely something groundbreaking. Right. It's something that as people of our age when we went to see it for the first time it was something that we hadn't seen before it was based a little bit on the old flash gordon serials type of situation but yeah but it was very exciting and he didn't i don't think he thought it would be popular enough to warrant a sequel right and i don't think and then you saw what you see here as the result of these is, is you sort of have these disjointed you know, disjointed movies, which aside from the Empire Strikes Back, but you sort of seem like they're trying to fill in the gap. Another example of that would like be the Matrix, where it was the first Matrix movie, and then the, the other two were just sort of, you know, okay, you know. Yes. Um, and so, you know, I sort of feel weren't like there, what, uh, some there, way, what, weren't there four Matrix I, movies? Yeah, there I, was four. Yeah, there was yeah. Four, four total. Yep. Um, and boy, that fourth movie. Okay. Um, but my getting back to my point is I was sort of in the same boat. You know, I sort of wrote these three books, you know, separately. Um, you know, Hope Knocks Twice, Love and Death on I-80 West, and, uh, um, and Sheriff, Sheriff in Nevada. Nevada. And without really thinking about, you know, sequels. And, and it kind of shows, and I, I get that. And so you sort of when you're writing a sequel, you not only are you stuck within that universe, with that environment, unless you go really outside that area, uh, you kind of have to stick with the same rules of the universe that you've created in the first book. And so you're always having to, like me, you're always having to go back and check, you know, character names and character circumstances. And did this person have blue eyes or non-burned hair? Or was it brown eyes and blonde hair? And that, you know, those kind of things that readers pick up. Oh, God, oh yes. let me tell you, let me tell you, readers do pick up that stuff. <laughs> oh, yes. But, um... But then I got to writing the space epic, and it became just a humongous thing from a technical point of view, especially the editing. I mean, the editing sessions were going on forever and ever and ever. And then, you know, it just struck me one day as, you know, I'm working way too hard on this. I'm working way too hard on this. Uh, I don't need to be working this hard anymore. So uh, I found a logical break point in, in the book. And uh, like I said, it's a 60, 70, 80,000 word point. And so now I have two books, and then I have the third book that I'm working on. And it's actually easier that way. Once I created the uh, is bibliography, I want to say, or the... Kind of like a series Bible. Yeah, so kind of like a series Bible where I put where I figure out where the characters first appeared and, you know, and uh, came up with their names and stations and things like that. So it's gotten easier that way. So now all I have to do is kind of write the third book. And then when I think of things that are cool for the third book, um, then I can go back and I can set up, set them up in books one and two. And I've done that a couple of times. I've created new characters and I, I've, I've created a, like a, a social uh, construct um, for uh, the people to sort of gather the characters to sort of work around. And so, um, so while I'm working on this third book, I'm expanding books one and two, which is, a, which is actually kind of a fascinating exercise. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of interesting. Um, so uh, if you have the patience and you have the the structure set up if you're going to do like a three character three book arc then i recommend just doing three books and not publishing them right because you'll always be playing catch-up like I, like i do with my other series um it's... well and some people recommend that anyway at least from a self-publishing standpoint because then you can release them within a specified period of time one thing people really hate, I know I do as a reader, 
is you get to the end of a book, you know there's another book coming, and you have to wait a year, two years, who knows how long, Mm -hmm. for the next book. Hey, Stephen King, how you doing? (laughs) But the thing is, with the pre-planned, pre-written, you know, Mm -hmm. you get them all planned out, you get them all ready to go, then, you know, barring some major hiccups, you can get them out in those time frames. I know somebody I work with is having this problem where she really enjoys a specific book. She keeps going to the author's website, and there was a publication date coming up in 2024, and now the publication date's disappeared. Yeah. And she's like, when is this book coming out? So if you do it in advance, the way JT is working on it right now, and you can publish them all in a specified period of time so that you keep the readers happy, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, of course, this rule really pretty much applies only to independent writers. You know, writers who um, you know are under contract with the big publishers, they're stuck because mm-hmm. uh, they have to generate a book a year. They have to keep a generated book a year. Based and, on their contract, I think. Yeah, based on their contract. And they, they can't go to the publishing house and say, hey, I want to take a stop here and I just want to write three books. And then, you know, release them one at a time. And some publishing houses may like that. Some publishers' houses, hey, read your contract, man. And so, yeah. you know, and I, I get that. But uh, being an independent writer, being mm-hmm. an independent, pub, you know, self-published writers, we have that flexibility. But what this also means, and you know, I think uh, you, if you can do math, you sort of picked up this is, uh, you know, I've got five books that are going to be coming out. I've got this three three book, uh, you know, space epic that's coming out. Right. And then I've got the two Maggie books that I'm working on at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I'm going back and forth because, you know, that way I'm, I'm you know, uh, I'm not bored. I'm not bored with the one that I'm writing, but I can see that it's coming where I'm going to be just dropping one of the one of the series and then just focusing on you right. know, one. You to, get to the point where you feel point. like it's almost ready. It's almost ready. It's time yep. to get it done and time to get it out there. So it's it's kind of exciting. It's kind of kind of fun to have um, you know uh, you know these. Well, actually, I did my math wrong, didn't I? You know, I did six books. Yes, you have it's, six. It's, I have six You're books. You're not just... thinking about the third Maggie book because that one's frustrating you. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> it, exactly. So we've got these six books just sort of floating there. And mm-hmm. uh, so maybe someday they'll actually get out there. And, you know, the catalog, the uh, two more books, that's our production. You know, that's our production company, our public publishing, publishing house. Company. That's our publishing house. Yep. Um, you know, we already have, you know, a fair size uh, catalog for, mm-hmm. for you know it sort of creeps up on you when you're an independent writer you don't yep. realize that then one day you know you're doing something like you know publishing to a platform and you realize oh my god this look at this humongous list for us anyway relatively well speaking. and at this point in time i have two out two books that i've published however as you mentioned i am working on numerous books which are in various stages of being done some of them i've had a first draft done some of them are partially done and i kind of moved on to something else but I have at least two series, possibly three, mm-hmm. where I could just, once I get the time to sit down and be able to focus on them, I'm going to be writing books like crazy. And again, we go back to the respecting folks that have day jobs that are able yes. to do this. And, oh, yeah. Uh, um, and I'm trying to find time for CC to do things uh, because you know I'm retired, so... Um, so I'm doing chores through the week, so she doesn't. Uh, you, 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 don't judge us. Don't judge us. We, if you've been a longtime follower of this podcast, you know that Cece, you know she's not going to say use this word, but I've seen it. She actually loves to do housework, and she loves you know the, to the, to sit up the house and work the house. And it's not very 21st century for a self-empowered woman to admit that she loves housework, but you do. There and, is some backlash though because. Yes, there is that. Um, I was basically raised to be a wife. Mm-hmm. 
I freely admit that it took me years to figure it out. That's a whole different story. But that's, I think that's one of the reasons I do love doing housework so much. I did it as a kid. It feels like part of me. Yeah. So there is a backlash against the whole, you know, feminism that you shouldn't be focusing on the house so much. But I think, especially in the last few years, people have really gotten back to, you want to be in a cozy space. Right. So. But uh, so what I've been trying to do is I've been trying to, uh, you know, help with the housework because I know freely admit it. It's not my first thing. It's just, <laughs> it's just the way it is. But I've been doing more and more housework. So it's free up time for her creative endeavors. Uh, but the reality is, is her J job just is, a, is an energy suck. And uh, it's, it's, it's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. So we're trying to come up with a with a balance here. So she has more creative time, literary creative time. Right. Um, and um, also, so, um, you know, it just gives you, some, you know, free time. Right. Which I'm not very good at. Yeah, <laughs> Even when I have free time, I find something to do. Okay. Um, <laughs> I want to talk one more aspect about the space aspect, which I, which I think is probably known, which has been discussed at length uh, by other people. But um, I was as I was working through it, um, I was realizing something, and I'm, I don't want to talk about that about, about this. And it's not dealing with the three books or anything. It's like it's when you're dealing with space epic. Um, of course, you're dealing with something that's called science fiction. And um, I was raised on science fiction. I love I love science fiction. Um, and um, you know, obviously, and I'm, I'm one of the generation that can proudly say that we saw Star that we saw Star Trek the original series. In its first run on NBC, I distinctly remember seeing Star Trek, the original series, on TV when it was uh, when it was first run. So yes, not only am I that old, but I'm also you know of that certain age. And it was so, black and white. Yeah. So um, so science fiction. Um, but the the problem with science fiction is, and this is where it tends to lose readers and viewers and followers, is sometimes uh, the creators get more caught up in the science than the fiction. And there's a difference. Obviously, science is the modifier, but the, they get caught up in the science. And I'm looking at you, Star Trek The Next Generation, with that really got caught up yeah. in the language of the technology, trying to say, hey, look how smart we are. Mm -hmm. And so when they began talking about uh, you know things like the, the way that the Enterprise uh, operated or the way that the space folded upon itself or coming up with these really interesting ways that time could be warped. Uh, you know, I ate that crap up. But at the same time, you have to be somebody like me to eat that crap up. And so you start losing people. So the more that science fiction, and this is, you know, this is just my opinion, of course, more that science fiction focuses on the science it get, and gets away from the fiction part, um, you, you start to you start to create a gap between you and some of the pot potential audience, right? Um, and the and the and the part that TNG, the Next Generation, did succeed was is when they focused on the people part, the fiction part, mm -hmm. and not so much on the science part. The characters, the characters, yep. when it was character driven instead of science fiction. Because I think mm -hmm. for me, and again, this is I'm just speaking here, when it was the when the the episodes were technology driven. Uh, you kind of you know, you, know, you kind of lost things, and if you lost things, then you lost audience. But when you you focused on character uh, pathos and passion and energy and drama, uh, it was a better episode, and you know it became less science fiction and it became more fiction. And again, this is just me, and maybe this is my soapbox, and maybe this is just me setting up saying that you're not going to see a lot of science in this space epic. I you're think not, you have a good balance going. I hope I have a good balance for him, but you're not going to see a lot of super science. There's going to be the basic science that I think 
folks uh, will need to have the uh, general general foundation of it, you know, being in space. You know, the other person I think of, Michael Crichton, mm. excellent author, maybe went a little too oh, far into the yeah. weeds with the, the technology yeah. and the science yeah. with some of their his writings. So it's like... Uh, yeah, Jurassic Park, the movie, versus Jurassic Park, the book. Right. Two totally different totally. creatures, and that's a pun, by the way. Um, so when you... Uh, you get into my, my space epic when you do, because you're going to, please. <laughs> um, when you get into my space epic, you're going to see uh, some science, but you're not going to see a lot of science. And you're going to see some mechanics. You're not going to see a lot of mechanics. It's going to be more person-driven. And I know that this is going to hang some people up that are going to be looking for the science and the science fiction. But I'm going to remind folks today, and I'm going to remind folks throughout the existence of this uh, of this three book pu publication, that what you're dealing with is my universe, and in my universe, um, I can I make the rules. So if you see something in this book that isn't exactly you know exactly you know you know Isaac Newtonish, deal with it. Well, Move and on. but this provides you an opportunity because mm -hmm. one of the things that happened with Star Trek was that some of the people who were more scientifically inclined started mm -hmm. creating compendiums of mm -hmm. information about the science. Right. So it allows other people to speculate on, okay, this is a fascinating idea. How would it work? Yeah. So you may in the future end up having offshoots where you decide that you want to go back and say, hey, you know, this was kind of fun. This is what I was thinking. This is how it might actually work. Yeah. And you can put the, I mean, even with Star Trek, going back to linguistics too, because with science fiction, sometimes there's a lot of language built around different species, different mm -hmm. races. And for example, the Klingons are a huge, I didn't realize how huge they were until I actually had this experience in person where the Klingon language has become such a huge thing. I do Duolingo and it has Klingon on right. it. That was not the original intention when the original series mm -hmm. came out. It was all of that stuff built over time so you may have one thing in mind but it may take on a life of its own yeah and the klingons in, in the um, in the star trek universe are actually a paradox because they're a warrior race that uh, you know does not hold technology up as well as it does the warrior spirit but yet somehow they ended up with warp drive and technology uh, in transported technology and all of these things that made them the equivalent to the federation yet they it doesn't seem right. They are a paradox, and that's right. a, that is the exa perfect example of how um, how you know fiction can it come into the science. What am I right. trying to say is is that they didn't make a lot of sense, but they made it work. Right. The Klingons didn't make a lot of sense because they were they did not they were not a technological species. But the creators and writers of, of Star Trek made it work. Same deal with my book. There, you know, it's not going to be super science. It's not going to be right. a lot of that. You know, a lot of that super science stuff like you, uh, you would have found in The Martian, with the movie or the uh, the book, <sighs> the movie. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, but the, but it but I think my book will work with the science as it's presented because I don't want to lose readers. Right. I want it to appeal to a broader audience. Uh, so I'm not going to put in, you know, the, the level of technology that you would have found in TNG, you would have found in The Martian, you would have found even in, in Star Wars. So I'm not going to put that level of technology in there because I want it to appeal to a broader audience. And that's a, that's an editorial decision that I made right. as, the, as the writer. And it is, as you said, it's your world. Mm -hmm. Going back to Star Trek, though, I think they realized that in some ways they did turn people off with The Next Generation. 
So when they started with Deep Space Nine, it not only was more character driven, but it went more political and it turned into political espionage and intrigue and people ate that up. Yep. Then you go to enterprise, which you know yep. early technology. Yeah. So it kind of fluctuates well, it's back spent, and it's forth. Well, it spent a lot of time saying, "Hey, this is the technology that we're gonna have," you know, right. kind of thing. And it's so uh, over time, it's yeah. evolved back and forth. Yeah. So, but actually, in my opinion, and I haven't seen the the latest ones, by the way. I haven't seen the latest two latest series, the animated series or the Captain Pike series. Uh, but uh, you know, noting that. Um, I think TNG and DS9 were actually the best of the, that, of the Star Trek universe, but that's I don't want to go way away from that. I just want to mention that uh, uh, you as a writer, when you're setting up your world, whether it's a science fiction world, whether it's even a romance, whether whatever kind it is, you have to determine where is the cutoff for your audience who is your audience and where do you want how much do you detail do you want to put into it right. uh, in order to keep that audience and uh, one of those things is the level of technology the level of technology in the book do you want do you want to throw a whole lot in there the kitchen sink tng the Martian, right. or do you want to just um you know want to just sort of put the framework there and have it person character driven character driven and that's the direction that i've gone and even with if you use less technology, less description of the technology, there are people who will fill that in on their own. Yeah. And that is something like you mentioned earlier, keeping track of the character's eye color and hair color. Maybe you don't even need to mention that. Yeah. You know, It's like, it depends on what level of description you want to put in your books. And you tend to go light on yeah. the real, you know, yeah, description kind of, of people and places and things. Yeah, I kind of like to want the, the reader to fill that in. Um, right. Okay, so we didn't mean for this, or I didn't mean for this, to you know, to turn into this long one, but it's sort of, um, you know, I just wanted to sort of explain what was going on with that space epic and how complex and not complex it's going to be at the same time. Yeah. Well, okay. and the idea of um, actually planning out a series in advance versus, oh, well, this story needs a continuation type of thing. Yeah. So you know, these books are very good, and. You did completely objective. No, no. Well, yes, I am a completely biased person, but I enjoy probably Emma Parks since this is my series. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I enjoy Tucci, but this is more my jam. Yeah. And uh, so, just comparing the way your process has changed over time yep. is interesting. Plus, who knows? At some point. We may even do a sequel or prequel to this one. We keep we keep promising to do that, but we've got so many so many other, balls so many in other the air. projects right now. So it's it's okay. Um, you know, let's go ahead and just uh, wind this up because right. uh, we, we can keep going. And uh, you know, and I'm going to be talking about the space epic a little bit more as as time goes by to see what else I've, I've learned and I've discovered. Um, but well, I, actually, why don't we put out there if you're watching this and we will obviously be discussing this more in the future. What questions would you have for JT about how this is evolving, how the process is changing, what you're thinking about the amount of technology you're putting Mm -hmm. in there, those kinds of things. So Mm -hmm. if you have any thoughts on that, you know, contact us. Maybe in the future we'll answer some questions. Yeah, it'll give us something to do. Uh, We're going to go ahead and come to wind this up. And again, you know, I win this year's ugly sweater contest. I disagree. I think this is a great sweater. I've seen much uglier. (laughs) And well, mine is well. Considering uh, there's only two entries in our, you know, our, our contest, you know, it's like. Well, it depends on what you like. If you're a sports fan, Cubbies. You may not be a Cubs fan, but you know there are other team sweaters versus vintage Santa, Santa Claus. Santa. You know, I like Santa. 
This, haha. <laughs> okay. Anyway, we need to end this so she can smack me. So, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Domestic violence. Uh, we don't mean to make light of no, that. No, 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 okay. no, no, no. Okay. We don't. Um, so. If you you want to reach out to us, if you want to contact us, if you want to see uh, other podcasts, broadcasts, if you want to, uh, you know, see our book catalogs, if you want to have a look at our books, everything is out there at the starting point of our website at www.carsonhume.com. And, uh, we, you know, have a look, peruse through it. Uh, you can learn more about us. You can see our house, obviously, very Christmassy, very Christmassy. We may uh, do a tour. Who or knows? give it to her, and you can see over the TV over here. You can see the angel on top of our. Uh, you can see the angel on top of uh, the the uh, tree way over there. Corey, you can't see the tree, but you can see the angel. <laughs> so that's something. The illuminated angel. The illuminated angel, and maybe we'll do a quick TikTok and just go. <laughs> oh, so you'll be able to see that too. Okay. Um, Anything else? Well, next week we will be podcasting on Christmas Eve Day. Christmas Eve Day. I don't know if we're going to be. Maybe we'll do Christmas memories or something for that podcast. We will also be doing one on New Year's Eve Day. Right. And potentially New Year's Day. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. see. We may be um, showing off our new space, our new studio space on oh. New Year's Day. So keep checking in and see what's going on there because that's something that's coming soon. Ooh, exciting. <laughs> okay, so sitting over there is Cece. And across from me is JT. You all have a wonderful, wonderful week. I hope the holiday season is working out for you. And uh, we're hoping that you're taking care of each other and you're taking care of yourselves, mostly taking care of yourselves. So until then, y'all take care now. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.